Hi, I'm Casey Hobbs. And I'm Shane Mason. And we're the hosts of Nurse Talk Radio. Please join us for this special edition podcast. For family members struggling with addiction, bottles of pills lying around the house can be hard to resist. Sarah B., a 43-year-old construction worker in Vancouver, Washington, said when her father entered hospice care at his home in Oregon, she was addicted to opioids stemming from a hydrocodone prescription for sciatica. After he died, hundreds of pills were left on his bedside table. She took them all, enough Norco, oxycodone, and morphine to last a month. Sarah, who was one of her father's primary caretakers, said the hospice didn't talk about addiction or ask if any one of us were addicts or any of that. No one gave us instructions on how to dispose of all the medications that were left, she added. With us to talk about this dilemma is Boston-based Kaiser Health News correspondent Melissa Bailey. Melissa recently wrote an article about how hospices are struggling with opioids being stolen from hospice patients by either relatives or, in some cases, healthcare workers. Melissa, welcome to Nurse Talk Radio, and thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Sure. So before we get started, Melissa, we just want to make sure our listeners know that you wrote this article to expose the depth and the breadth of the opioid epidemic and the links that people will go to get some of these medications. It's, it's in no way an, an indictment of hospice care. Yes, that's right. Great. So your article starts with a patient that's prescribed painkillers for weeks but kept crying out in pain. And then the patient's daughter showed up in the emergency room with a life-threatening overdose of morphine and oxycodone. She was high on her mother's medication stolen from the hospice that issued the stash. Take us through your article. Yeah, so this case was described to me by Dr. Leslie Blackhall. She's a head of palliative medicine at the University of Virginia. And she was a supervising doctor in this case. It was an elderly woman who had metastatic breast cancer and was dying at home on hospice. And Dr. Blackhall was relying on reports from hospice nurses who were visiting the home. And the nurses kept saying, look, this patient's in pain. So the doctor kept increasing the amount of painkillers that were being sent to the home. And this happened for several weeks and the patient was still in pain until finally the daughter shows up at the emergency room with an overdose and they realize that the daughter had been stealing her mother's medications and the mother wasn't getting any medications at all. And it ended up that once the mother was admitted to the hospital and getting just a small amount of pain medication, that her pain was under control. So Dr. Blackhole told me that this case really opened her eyes to this problem and to the fact that patients can really suffer when their medications end up in the wrong hands. Well, and this is tricky because hospices have largely been exempt from the national crackdown on opioid prescriptions because many dying people, they might need high doses of opioids, so it makes it hard. Right, so I think... Most people agree that hospice patients are not out shopping around for opioids they don't need. Um, Half of them are in hospice for just two weeks or less. So they're close to death. They have frail bones. They have bed sores. They may have metastatic cancer, shortness of breath. They're really, really sick. And these pain medications are effective and appropriate for many of them. Yeah, so this makes it for a tricky conversation because at the same time, we don't want to deny these folks their medications that are going to help, um, but it makes it difficult. So uh, you found in in the research of this that caregivers and family members are taking the drugs. So what happens then with the patient's pain? Yeah, so I think one of the saddest repercussions is that the patient is at home and, you know, the pain medications are being prescribed, but they're not actually getting them or not getting enough. 
and that their caregiver who's struggling with addiction is actually taking them instead of the patient. And the hospice doctor is sending the medications there. They're just not getting through to them. So in some cases, this is because hospice staff are stealing medications, and sometimes you see legal intervention in court cases. But I think the much harder thing to handle is when a relative or neighbor is stealing his medications. The patient may not even know, you know, the the person they're entrusting to keep them healthy and comfortable may be the person who's also taking the medications. And I talked to a woman after I wrote this article, she wrote me an email and she said that her brother who had struggled on and off with addiction, she actually saw her brother stealing the medications from her mother. And she said she didn't want to call the authorities. She didn't want to create this huge like blowout of a family conflict. She wanted a peaceful death for her mother. But at the same time, she's just tormented by knowing that her mother's medications were going to someone else. Right. And I like the way you frame it, where you're saying that people are struggling with addiction. I think especially in the, the current judicial climate, sometimes this is viewed as just a criminal act. But you know, if you're taking your mother's pain medications, you have some issues you're struggling with yourself. This isn't just, you know, burglary or theft. It's 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 a whole picture here where the people that are taking these medications need support and help themselves. Uh, you know, hospice, which is available to patients who are expected to die within six months, is seeing a dramatic rise in enrollment as more patients choose to focus on comfort instead of cure at the end of life. So this is a good thing. We don't want to turn people off of that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's hospice is a wonderful service to people who don't want to die a miserable death in the hospital and who really want to focus on comfort and be surrounded by people they love. It's a wonderful trend. It just, it seems like it's irresponsible to ignore it, this risk of theft of medications in this context. And yes. there are some, you know, some recommendations on how to monitor it better. Yes, and, and we're going to get to those. Um, a, as somebody who works for hospice, um, this is a difficult topic for me to talk about because I do see it, and, and we have seen this, and we have um, instituted lockboxes in patients' homes uh, when we know that there is a family member who is struggling. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's a very difficult issue. So most prescribed medications for hospice patients are your oxycodone, your morphine, methadone, fentanyl patches. And unfortunately, these are the drugs out there that are causing, that most, so many people are addicted to. So it's a, it's a very difficult um, balancing act that hospices have to navigate. It, it was really hard for me in reporting the story to figure out the most prescribed medications for hospice because Medicare, even though Medicare pays for almost, you know, the vast majority of hospice, they don't actually release data on what drugs that pays for. Um, but the best information I had was from Inclara Pharmacia, one of the largest hospice drug providers in the country. And they said, yeah, liquid morphine is the most common. Um, morphine in a pill form, I think, was number three. But they, they said that OxyContin, which is one of the most widely misused drugs nationwide, is actually not very common in hospice because it's, it's true. a brand-name drug and it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but fentanyl patches, as you mentioned, are also very common. And so talk about some of the measures that hospices around the country are taking to curb this problem uh, and ensure that the patients are getting what they need. So as Casey mentioned, um, locked boxes for medication 
are a common solution. Although I saw one I, one of the cases I read in these inspection reports described a family member. It was a, a patient dying at home in a situation where the drugs were being stolen, and she had entrusted the key to this locked box to her nephew. That her nephew ended up in jail, and then so she couldn't have access to her medications. So she had to find another person to take care of this locked box. So it's never straightforward. But um, certainly locked boxes for medication and having a person you trust to take care of that key is important. Other solutions are limiting the number of days of medication that is delivered to the home at once. So two weeks is about the standard, but some in some cases people have told me they'll just do like three or four days if they really think the medications are at risk of being stolen. Other options are using drugs like methadone, which don't have a high, they're harder to misuse, and um, counting the pills every time a nurse visits the house. So those were some of the more common measures. Some hospice directors I interviewed were taking further measures. Um, they said because this epidemic is really affecting everyone, rich and poor, cutting across demographic lines, you really can't make assumptions about who might be at risk of stealing medications. So they actually suggest screening all patients and families, asking everyone if there's a history of drug misuse uh, in the family, and then actually writing out agreements, which sometimes in hospices will do this with every family, saying what's the family's responsibility, what happens if the medications go missing, and then what's the consequence, obviously, if the medications do end up in the wrong hands. And, you know, that's also very difficult because at the end of life, um, you know, and in, in one of the hospices I worked for, you know, this was an issue and this contract was set up. And it's it was difficult for me as a nurse because the patient had a history of drug use in her past and mm-hmm. uh, therefore was needing more um, drugs to control her pain anyway. Um, it, it was a hard juxtaposition because if ever there was a time I wanted this woman to be pain-free, it was now at the end of life. And it's just a very difficult balancing act that we do. It's the same with interviewing family members and asking about their drug histories. Very difficult time when you're already in the home talking about the death of their loved one and mm-hmm. that you want to help them with that. Then going into their personal history about drug use, is it's, it's a very tough balancing act that we have in hospice. Yeah, one other response I heard from hospice workers was that they don't want to be the police. I mean, they want to be there for the emotional support of the family and that sometimes these thefts just put them in a very uncomfortable place. Exactly. That, that can also be hard. This is a great topic, and I'm glad that you are addressing it because it is a growing problem in hospices. As being on the side of the hospice employee, it's a tough one to address because it's such a tender time in a family's life. But it's Mm -hmm. important that we talk about it so that people are aware. Yes. Well, thanks for this great article, Melissa, and all the work you're doing on behalf of these critical issues. We've been talking with Melissa Bailey. Melissa is a correspondent for Kaiser Health News, and her article is Dying at Home in an Opioid Crisis, Hospice Grapples with Stolen Meds. For more information about this topic, visit nursetalksite.com or khn.org. Mm-hmm.